What is up, Nux? And welcome to the first in-season episode of Moose Tracks. We are about a third of the way, 50 games deep into the season. And this is a special episode for a few reasons. Uh, it's Friday afternoon on Memorial Day weekend. Um, and I'm joined here, literally physically here, by Ferd, the soon-to-be birthday boy, uh, celebrating his 37th birthday this weekend. Um, but also, yeah, the first in the in-person uh, episode of Moose Tracks in, in about two years. So uh, we've got some beers going. Not really a better way to kick off a long weekend than doing this right now. So, Ferd, any any birthday plans, anything going on this weekend? No, nothing uh, crazy. Just uh, go get some lunch with my mom and sister tomorrow. And uh, I think Boots and I might go hit up some breweries and uh, just have some beer. And then on Sunday, just do some stuff with the family. And, yeah, just take it easy. Enjoy the four-day uh, weekend. Yeah, that's right. You took a, an extra day off. I worked a half day today. Already made it over to Windsor to get some beers for the weekend. Saw a guy wearing a uh, Romstein shirt. Remember those guys? Du hast mich. I was like, holy shit. So then I listened to that song on the way home. And it's like, WK before I WK. Well, I was thinking, I was like, du hast mich. It doesn't mean you hate me, right? But du hast mich is like, you hate mich. I think I might have a new team name. Du hast mich. Cool. Well, so anyhow, what's on the docket today? We are basically um, rehashing the old MK Monthly format. You guys remember MK Monthly where we would have the best buys, the bust buys, the waiver wire wonders. We're even adding a, a little um, top supplemental pick uh, session to, to this one. So that's going to be the content. And then, of course, whatever uh, whatever conversation spins out of that, never know exactly which direction this is going to go. But we'll basically run down. Uh, in kind of a countdown format, um, some of the players who are, are are noteworthy for for better or for worse this year. So, uh, with that said, we're going to go ahead and lead it off with the best top the top three hitter purchases of the auction, counting down from three to one. And since I have home field advantage, for it, I'm going to let you lead off. All right. The so I'm going to go three to one um, hitter to steal the draft. I'm actually cheating off right off the bat. I'm going to have a tie for third. Um, I'm going to go with Chris Bryant at 16. I know 16 is not a super low number, but, um, you know, if Chris Bryant's back to kind of that MVP caliber player he was a few years ago, he's been battling injuries the last couple of years, kind of fallen off uh, face of the earth. People were just down on him and just kind of wrote him off. But um, if he's, you know, 90% of that player he was in his MVP run, I think $16 is definitely a keepable contract. And um, it's somebody that could buy that 275 35 bombs, pushing 100 RBIs. Um, I think that's um, I think that's a contract that'll play well. So boots, congrats. Um, and then Riley, two dollars. I'm gonna sneak in there. Um, originally, just come behind the scenes stuff. Mission I planned to do this a couple weeks ago, and just schedules didn't align. So um, I had uh, I didn't have Riley on there, but since then Riley's just been tearing it up and batting over 300 with double digit home runs. 30-ish RBIs, so um, at $2. Um, I think Keith originally drafted him, but he's now with uh, Deke. But uh, that's my number three, uh, Brian and Riley. Yeah, yeah. Brian has definitely um, paid some dividends. Someone who uh, I'm not surprised to see him uh, playing as well as he is, but it, it did look pretty bad, so I can understand why people, myself included, were just kind of looking the other way. And, and Riley, um, you know, he he's he's someone. It, it seemed like you had to choose between the power or the contact, and he seems to be doing both. It, the one concern I have with him coming into the year was just how deep that lineup was for him to 
to try to crack the top six seemed like it was going to be tough. I, I don't know where he's hitting, but he's producing definitely. Uh, number three for me um, is $15 Shohei Otani for Deke. Sitting 266, 944 OPS um, on a f- about a 40-20 pace. So talk about power speed. Uh, when Ken decided not to hold him, he kind of swapped him out as for his last keeper. Um, I was kind of doing some fist pumps, and, and I really thought that I could get him for a bargain coming off the really terrible year that he had. You know, he he had a, an 82 WRC plus last year. There were stretches where he was benched. I thought, okay, I can I can maybe get this guy. You know, I think he usually goes for six, eight bucks. I thought maybe he'd go for in that range. Um, he went for 15, so more than I thought he would go for, but um, has definitely been worth every penny so far. And can't forget that Deke also holds the hammer in the event, I doubt it, but in the event Yahoo gets their shit together and, and merges him into one player, he holds the more expensive version, which means that he would get probably the best keeper in the league at that point if he got both of the you know, dual eligibility. I don't think Yahoo's going to do that. But it's a it's a nice card to hold in the back pocket just in case. Who is number two on your list? Um, real quick, before I get to number two, I just I just wanted to give a little note on uh, Shohei. Um, on top of what you said, and I think that's an oversight on my part to just not have him on my list. But yeah, he's forty twenty is just amazing for under twenty dollars. Um, I think the big what I wanted to try to say is I think the big knock on him was just you know you're getting that pass from him three four times a week because of the whole pitching DH thing. But Madden and the Angels have just seemed to just kind of Throw caution to the wind and just, you know, the plan that Epler and Sosha had is just, they're not following that anymore. It's just like, you're pretty much going to hit the day before, the day after, if we want you to, you're going to hit the day of, you're going to be our DH, like, or we're going to hit for the pitcher's going to hit instead of the DH. Yep. So, um, you know, he's going to probably at the end of the year because of all this, get another 100-ish shot bats, and that's right. just huge. Yeah, I mean, I, I, even, even going into it thinking he would only get maybe 400, I was still willing to, I, I still held him in high regard because I'm a big fan of, hey, give me 400 of him, 200 of whoever my best bench bat is. You mash that together, it's a super player. Um, but, yeah, not, he would have gone for a lot more, I think, had we known that the Angels would be so aggressive and how they're deploying him. And I, and I think it makes sense the way that he's – after this year, he's got two more years till free agency. It's like at some point, just get what you can get out of him. You don't, you don't have to baby him as an asset anymore because the clock's ticking, right? He's going to be two-thirds of the way through his team control – after the season, see what see what's going to work, right? And so, um, and I've been pleasantly surprised with his pitching too. I mean, I, I think there's going to be some regression there. He's, he's gotten kind of lucky on on getting out of some big innings, but then again, you can do that when you carry a strikeout rate as high as he does. So, um, but that aside, so number two on your list. Number two, um, I originally had this person number one, but I'm I'm switching on last minute just because of the value of the, the value of the contracts. Sorry if there was a little sound there. I knocked a pillow into the mic. Um, but We're having um, sex. <laughs> he's not a gentle lover. Uh, I'm going to move uh, JD Martinez to number two. He was originally my number one a couple weeks ago because he was still probably batting 340, 350, just mashing the hell out of the ball. His bat never just come down slightly, but he's still hitting, I think, 310, 315 ish. Um, still producing heavy uh, power numbers, RBIs. That lineup is just mashing. Um, you know, they're just destroying the ball. Um, that team's overall really surprised me, especially with just that ragtag pitching staff. Take note, Angels. But, yeah. Um, but no, yeah, J.D. Martinez is just kind of as the forgotten man last year, just kind of had a down year with the – we've alluded to it before with uh, maybe the video um, stuff played a big role. And based off of his numbers this year, I think that was a huge role. Yeah. 
he, uh, he was a keeper for me last year. Loriano was a keeper for me last year. Both of them were total duds. Yeah, I know $23 <laughs> is, is, is kind of high to say if that's value, but we're talking about, like, at least two weeks ago when I was writing this, like, he was, he's a strong MVP candidate right now. And for $23, like, you know, he's outproducing guys like Yelich and Soto, and, you know, those guys are over double the price. So um, right. there's definitely huge value there. Yeah, he, he, was, he made the short list but didn't make my top three. Another player in that vein was Castellanos, who's, like, ranked fifth in the yeah. league right now but um I, I skewed towards guys who were just a lot cheaper just yeah. uh um but to your point yeah i mean 25 dollars or so for either of those guys is half the price of and more production than you're getting from some of the stars so um honorable mention for jd martinez for me and the aforementioned castellanos but for number two for me i went with a dollar player one of cups guys mitch hanniger hanniger's hitting 262 with 863 ops uh, he's pacing about 4,100-100, pretty close, give or take there. Um, of course, the knock on Hanager coming into the year was that he had eclipsed 100 games only one time in his career. That was back in 2018. Um, he played 63 games in 2019, didn't even play last year. Um, and then, so so obviously there's the injury history, but a career 126 WRC+. Plus. And so cut bet on the talent and roll the dice with the health. And as long as Hanniger's out there, he's just paying massive dividends as a $1 player on pace for, again, flirting with 4,100-100. And that's not playing in Seattle. So uh, a really good pick there. And who is number one, the best buy of the draft on the hitter side for you so far? Don't tell me CJ Cron. Okay, I got got enough shit for that. Which, by the way, quick note on Cron. he got hurt recently, and I think now he's back, but he was surging. He yeah, was he, he had surging. missed a lot of time and still and was on a slow start, and he was in the top 100 pretty quickly. He's faded a little bit since he missed some playing time. But yeah, that's, he's, yeah he's, he's not in the conversation uh, from what we had before. But to your point, yeah, he was surging a little bit. He's kind of – he's you know, I'm not upset with that contract at all at this point. Yeah. Um, uh, my number one is – it might be the same as yours. I think we maybe were talking about him before we started the pod, but uh, – it's Jesse Winker at seven bucks. Uh, you know, another MVP kind of year he's having. I think he's in. Um, he's definitely in double digit home runs. He's hitting three thirty, three forty right now. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he has a little bit of speed too, doesn't he? Or is he? Um, he hasn't stolen any bases this year yet. No. So then I'm just mistaken there. But no, um, it's Jesse Winker seven bucks. Um, he's probably putting up just as good of numbers as JD Martinez right now. Uh, and just yeah, definitely Jesse Winker is I think my number one. And um, I like your call on Hanniger, by the way. I. I when I was putting this list together, I just didn't even think much of him. I didn't really dig into his numbers. And like the other day, I literally just saw that he was at one point, I don't think it's anymore, but he was leading the league in home runs and that just caught me way off guard. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of hard to go with anybody else, but Winker at seven bucks as the best pick so far hitting 359 with a 1080 OPS um, pacing, similar run production numbers to Hanniger about a 40, 100, 100 pace right now. Um, he had that mini breakout last year in which we witnessed a power surge, but there was also a strike in, in he sacrificed contact. He, his, his K rate went from around 15% um, to 25%. And so it looked like a, a trade-off that worked, but maybe was going to limit the ceiling. This year, he's retained the power and he's reduced his strikeout rate to under 20%. So just elite hitter uh, profile. I mean, doubtful he'll carry a, a 395 Babbitt the rest of the way, but he's definitely cementing himself as an elite keeper just a great park, uh, a strong enough lineup, and does all the right things. You know, he was always kind of comped uh, from his plate skills to like a Joey Votto. I don't think he's that level of plate skills necessarily. He doesn't walk, you know, 
10, 12% of the time like Votto would. Um, but the power is, is, is peak Votto, right? So the, he's, a, he's a really good player, someone who Nick uh, can lean on to make a run this year and, and probably just stack him in that lineup for years to come. Um, I would, no one's untouchable per se, but that guy, uh, it would take a King's ransom if I was Nick to pry him away because he's just uh, that good, it seems. So now we got to look at the other side of the coin, the three biggest busts of the draft on the hitter side, starting with number three, Ferd, who do you got? Um, number three, um, <laughs> I, I, it's hard for me to say. I don't even want to really call him a bust because I don't, I don't think a lot of us expected a lot from him, but just based off the price tag, it's Clint Frazier for $14. It's just, he's produced nothing. Boots has already dropped him. Um, again, I, I don't want to say it's hard to call him a bust because like, I know he has kind of the prospect pedigree, but he's just never really been a full-time player. And I don't think there's a lot of expectation there, but just $14 to just be dropping him by the end of May is just, I'd call that a bust. Yeah. And I'm looking at my top three and, and all my three are, are $20 or more. That wasn't by design. That's just the three I, I, I picked out, but yeah, that's a pretty strong case to be in the top three. 14 bucks is, is it's a good little penny there. And yeah, he got nothing from him. I, I mean, I, I, think it was a crazy buy at the time like not even with the benefit of hindsight but i would have expected fraser to deliver a a, a you know a palatable year <laughs> and be a, at least a useful player even if not worth 14 but yeah he has been a disaster um i'm going to stick in the big apple uh with dominic smith frank bought him for 20 bucks he is hitting only 241 with a 619 ops only two homers 12 runs, 15 RBIs. I was in a bidding war with Frank for Dominic Smith, so I can't talk too much shit. I loved what Smith did last year. However, reality is he's probably on the bench now for the Mets if they weren't just decimated by injuries. Um, the strikeouts, the walks, the BABIP, they're all fine. The power is just gone. And I don't know what to attribute that to. Maybe he's playing hurt. Uh, he is only seeing 44% fastballs versus 52% last year. But the thing is, he actually handled breaking balls and off-speed pitches fine last year. So it's not; it doesn't seem to be a case where they're just, uh, you know, not giving him his pitches. Uh, he just does not look good. So uh, not sure what to expect from him moving forward. But he's definitely been a, a sinkhole to this point for Frank. Um, who is number two for you, Ferd? Uh, number two is, is my own guy, and originally I put this list together a couple weeks ago when we were talking. Um, he's kind of heated up a little bit since then, so. I don't know if it's very if he's really on this list anymore, but it's my own guy, uh, Randy Rosarena, uh, thirty dollars. Just hasn't been living up to a thirty dollar price tag, in my opinion. But like I said, the last couple of weeks he's kind of picked it up. The power's kind of shown up. Um, you know, just, uh, just wasn't thrilled with him to the end of the year. It's like it's just one of those things. It's like it's not he's not a Clint Frazier by any means. He's definitely playable. He's definitely worthy of a of a starting spot. But just spending thirty dollars for him, I'm not getting thirty dollars value out of him. Yeah, I noticed when we looked a few weeks ago when we were going to do this that he might have made my list, but he has he has definitely turned it on. Um, he was a guy I wasn't really looking to acquire at the auction, not because that I didn't like the tools, but just because of the approach and and a guy who I think had a, a lot a little bit more risk and a lower floor than than maybe some would would uh, realize. Um, but I think he's he's close to a top fifty player now, so maybe that's not a thirty dollar player in your opinion, but could do a lot worse. Um, I'm going to go with uh, number two is one of my former guys, and I'm going to pick on Sean here. Sean rarely misses, um, uh, and he's, he's fielding a better team than I am this year, that's for sure. But 
This one not looking so good. It was a guy I, was, I really liked last year, Kevin Biggio. Sean paid 23 bucks for him. He's hitting only 205 with a 630 OPS, 14 runs, three homers, um, two steals, 11 RBIs. And uh, I think he just went on the IL too. But uh, I paid up for him last year, and I liked him because of the positional eligibility. I knew he was going to be leading off, and even though he struck out a lot, there was a high walk rate, so driving the OBP and the runs and the power speed. Um, but then he just – I think he got kind of lucky last year because of – really because of the park they played in, getting to play in Buffalo. And I have some numbers here in front of me because I went on a little – a mini Twitter rant back in February uh, about BGO just sharing some observations. And one of them is that his max exit velocity last year was 103.6 miles per hour, um, which not everyone follows that stat. So for context – that's the hardest ball he hit last year was 103.6. That was the worst among all hitters with 100 batted ball events. So he just he lacks true raw power. Um, his exit velocity on fly balls and line drives is in the 30th percentile. His hard hit percentage is in the 15th percentile. And only one of his eight home runs last year was classified as a quote-unquote no-doubter on uh, stat cast. So he, he hit wall scrapers. And, and that was, you know, he had Buffalo to call home, a triple-A park where the ball carried really well. And so that kind of masks that uh, he is middling power at best. And, and he can hit some home runs because he has a 45% fly ball rate. You get the ball in the air that often and you're going to run into some home runs. Uh, but the problem is too, coming into the year, we already knew about these rumors of the dead and ball. And for someone who's just barely getting it over the wall, that's that dead and ball is going to disproportionately impact him. I, I, like if the anticipation is a dead and ball is going to reduce home runs by, five percent well someone like Biggio, it's going to be more than that right because he's just barely getting away with it um and then if you have that high fly ball rate 45 percent the balls that aren't home runs are going to be outs like that's going to be a low babbit uh, you know struck ball so that's going to drag down the average that's going to drag down the on-base percentage and then they also added springer and simeon to hit the top of the order so that was going to push them down the lineup there go the runs there go the stolen bases and so it's just it's hard to see Biggio rebounding into a good season because there's so many contextual factors that are also working against his skills and again didn't mean the not to dump on sean uh, he's going to get a lot of praise for doing a lot of things right <laughs> later in this podcast but that's one that that was a fade for me coming in and it's just it's, it's certainly not panning out at this point for sean um all right and who is the biggest bust of the draft for you so far for on, on the hitting side i feel like we'll probably be in unison here but how could it not be 54 dollars francisco Lindor? um Again, I this isn't a knock on Lindor because I think he's still a I hate using the word elite, but I still think he's, you know, a top 20, 30 hitter. It's just, you know, fifty-four dollars to get a buck eighty is just with I don't even think he has like more than a couple home runs at that. Three. Um, it's just that's not what you're paying for. And you know, Deke, I've reached out to him trying to make a move for him and to Deke's credit, he's not selling low on him and I don't blame him. It's like uh, this is my number one bus contract, but at the same time, it's just like, like, what can Deke do? It's like, you're not going to trade him for pennies on the dollar. Like, we know what he really is. It's just not there right now. And chalk it up to being on a new team and a new market, new media. You were negotiating a contract to start the year. I don't know if his focus was there or what. Like, I, I have no fucking clue. I'm not going to make that uh, assumption. It's just, you know, sometimes guys struggle. And, like, we also have to remember it's you've been playing, what, a month, a month and a half. It's like, you know, some guys just go through – go through slumps and maybe that's what this is but as of right now on may 28th it's he's my number one boss yeah i mean like you said it's hard to go any other direction there at 54 bucks that's something um 
There's something that uh, Deke and Steve Cohen have in common. They both have, I'm sure they have very nice lake houses and, and, are, <laughs> and are paying Lindor way too much money. Um, yeah, Lindor hitting the buck 85, 558 OPS, 19 runs, nine RBIs, three homers, four steals, which for a guy with a 290 on base percentage, um, you figure if his on base percentage was at his regular rate, that's probably about a 20 steal pace. So at least the speed is kind of still there. As the old saying goes, you can't steal first. Um, you can kind of point to a, a 200, 203 Babbitt to explain the batting average dip. The power is the real story, a, an 083 ISO, which is just like unfathomably low. Um, can't really explain it. I mean, he has a 38% pull rate and he's been 40 to 44% in years past. So obviously easier to hit home runs when you pull the ball, but also the park, right? So Cleveland played very power friendly for left-handed hitters. I know he's a switch hitter, but obviously hits left-handed most of the time. That's a good place to hit home runs. And Mets, I don't know what it's called, Mets Park, City Field. City Field. Um, that is, that's become, I think, the the biggest, the best pitcher's park in the league over the last few years. So, and they've even brought the walls in, didn't they? I think they might have. But, I mean, so that could be, it could be that too, right? It's just a guy who who maybe he was just, he had enough power to, to play in the, the parks that he was you know, calling home. And now he just can't get it out of that yard. I'm not sure. So, uh you've got to believe it'll get better. The projections think it'll get better. Maybe he's just pressing too after signing a 300 you know, plus million dollar contract. Um, but like you said, if you're Decker, you, all you can do is hold on. You can't, you can't sell for pennies on the dollar on, on what's most likely his, his most expensive buy. And, and someone he's, he's depending on uh, carrying him and, if he's going to make a run. And sometimes I look at it as like, you know, and I think major league teams do this too. Um, all professional sports. It's like, he's playing so shitty right now. And Deke's, in contention, I think he's in the middle of the pack right now, and um, he beat me. Um, it's it's once he does figure it out, it's like you've just added a fucking yeah. MVP to your team with you didn't give anything up. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. It's like it's if he's able to a... like be like in contention now, and once he fucking figures it out, like that's yeah. huge. <laughs> yeah, good point. If it's like if you can, yeah, he's he's right in the middle, and right him and I are, are kind of in that six seven spot, right around five hundred, playing each other this week, by the way. Um, yeah, if he can get this far without him, what can he do with him? To that point and he yeah. didn't get anything out it's not like exactly we can my pitching to get this bat it's just yeah. like all of a sudden he clicked <laughs> just a huge acquisition exactly all right so let's move over to the pitchers and we'll start with the best pitcher buys number three for you Ferd. um number three for me is um i have him on here it's a little high 18 dollars, but it's um i'm, I'm gonna this, this is my original list it's, it's joe musgrove um when i wrote this he was just cruising and then actually after i wrote this i think he had a couple of spotty starts um but he's kind of since picked it back up at his last two starts i think he's gone like eight or nine ten k's with one or less walks um but um it's joe musgrove 18 dollars. it's not like super cheap but i think to have i know he threw his no hitter this year we've all talked about no hitters don't really need much this year but he still did it um but you know most of his starts have just been you know high k's low walks low earned runs you know he's had like i said he had a couple of kind of miscues where you give up four or five earned runs but like if that's going to be his bombs then i'll take it and um you know i don't i wouldn't call him a top tier ace but i think he's just like right in that like you can call him an ace but he's not like in the degrom the scherzer the um beaver the bowers you know so forth like i don't he's not there but i have no problem calling him an ace at this point yeah i just pulled up his uh, i hadn't been following him too closely um i i had him he was one of my guys last year who he was very disappointing at first, and then he threw a, a gem against Sean in the championship game. So 
Uh, I appreciate his contributions to the the asterisk ring, but I, I let him go this year. Nick got him. Nick, uh, you know, he's a, a frequent flyer on this this best buy list so far. Um, but I pulled up Musgrove's card here and yeah, two twenty six ERA with it backed by a two forty four xFIP. A huge K per nine. I mean, everything looks really really good. I, I, I've long been a Musgrove stand. I, I always kind of believed that he would take a, another step and. Yeah, he looks awesome. So a, a great pick there. I mean, I, I on this list, much like with my hitters, I, I definitely tended to go for like the the really cheap contracts. But at some point, value is value, and if and if he's going to be that good for under twenty bucks, I think that's a, a great pick. Well, especially with this year, like you know, and we'll probably get to some of these guys in our pitching bus. But uh, you know, like every there wasn't a lot of just top tier pitchers out there. So like you know, there's guys that went for much more who were struggling, and it's yep. just like. For basically just for eighteen dollars to pop, he was probably the best pitcher drafted, honestly, at this point. I'm trying to think. No, who was the top pitcher? Uh, anyway, I mean, maybe Scherzer out yeah, there, but yeah, yeah. Scherzer, like, Scherzer went for Scherzer money. Yeah, so it's like I definitely think this is a great value. Um, it was just it was, you know, and we'll get when we get to the bust. It's just like you know, pitching just you know, guys that needed pitching had to just overspend, and I think eighteen dollars for Musgroves is a more than fair card. I think I spent twelve dollars two or three years ago for him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I paid like twenty bucks for him last year because <laughs> Ken kept driving. But, uh, me I just did want to say before we move to number two, um, I, I wrote this like I said a, a while, a couple weeks ago. Like one guy would added this list because he's since that has just continually pit together two or three um, good starts, and we're watching him right now is Adbert Alize. I think for a um, dollar, um, I put him up there for a steal right now. He's, I think he's still got an ERA like I think going into today was like four point oh four, so it's like I didn't really want to put him on the list, but. I think it's now in the threes after today, and uh, I think he's just he's putting together some decent strikeout numbers and low walk rates, and um, I think he's definitely a young arm to watch. Yeah, I, I just pulled up his card too. Yeah, he's throwing well right now against the Reds, and I, I ditched him altogether in, in in the auction because of his historically bad walk rates. But one point four three walks per nine—that's a for a buck. Yeah, he's he's yeah he's a little inflated, but but his his peripherals suggest uh, he's been a little unlucky with the. With the home runs, it looks like so. One yeah. thing I saw it has been a few weeks is that he was really high on the swing strike um, data board. Data board. Okay, um, I'm sticking with a one dollar guy for number three. This is going to be demands one dollar. Aaron Savali, three hundred four ERA, uh, a WHIP of one on the nose, three twelve K to walk, seven wins already. Um, this one's kind of funny to me because Demand and I have been in trade negotiations, and I just lowballed him an offer yesterday for for Savali, and kind of gave my reasoning as to why I wasn't too high on him. And I'll give that here too. Like, <laughs> I, I, I I would have to Savali too. I had him last year. I love the guy. <laughs> I, I, so I mean, I, I'm I'm ranking him top three because I'm going off of what he's actually the surface level stats. Like that's what counts in our league is is what you actually do, not what you should have done. And so he deserves that recognition from this standpoint. I am a little bit skeptical. I mean, he has a 7K per nine. That's that's well below average in today's game. His ERA estimators are a full run higher than that 304 ERA. He's got a 232 Babbitt that's driving that whip down. I will give him this. He throws six, like six legitimate pitches. Um, and I think that guys who, the more offerings they have, the more likely they can keep guys off balance and, you know, cut that fastball a little bit. Like they throw three different fastballs, it's going to be hard to square up because which way is it going to move? Am I going to get the barrel on it? So I think that there could be some legitimate contact suppression skills that he owns, but at 200 career innings, I'm not willing to pay as if he owns them yet because it, it could unravel pretty quickly. So um, I'm giving him a top three spot based on what he's accomplished with the, the disclaimer that, 
I'm not so certain he'll be in the top three. You know, should we do another show around the All Star break? No, he's 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 just he's solid. He's just a pitcher. He knows how to pitch. He's you know, he, uh, I hate the comparisons of always going to say like Greg Maddox because Greg Maddox is a Hall of Famer, but it's just like. He just knows how to pitch. He's not going to kill you with the 95, but he can still hit 92, 93. Like you said, he could mix his fastballs up. Uh, he just knows how to keep hitters off balance. He's a, he's crafty and like, and then it's you always. I just whether it's fair or not, it's like I always just give that bump or that boost to a Cleveland pitcher just because they seem to just have an eye for talent. <laughs> they have an eye for talent, and they know how to maximize a strength, or better yet, hide a weakness. Right, like Kluber. Never had a good fastball. Like, hey, go fucking throw 70% breaking balls. with Cy Young type years and kind of did similar with Carrasco, similar with Bieber, right? So I think you're you're right on that. Um, it, it, he, he could be a guy who just knows how to pitch, but um, we've been fooled by those types of guys before. There's another on this showing up on the bus list that um, has a, a track record <laughs> of doing just that, and it ain't working this year. All right, sorry about that. Some technical difficulties. We are back with Ferd's number two best buy pitcher. Ferd. Number two best buy pitcher. Um, somebody that, again, like I mentioned, uh, had him on this list a couple weeks ago. He's kind of struggled a little bit, but I'm going to keep him on here. Uh, it's Tyler Molly, uh, miss your guy at $1. Uh, I just really like his makeup. I, I like that team he's on. Um, I don't like that ballpark, but... Um, I really like that pitching coach. I think he's a very um, like data-driven, um, very scientific kind of approach to pitching. And um, seems to have, last year he seemed to have gotten the most out of Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo had a big year last year. Bauer obviously had his big year. Uh, Castillo struggling a little bit, a little bit this year, but um, you know, like they've kind of taken TJ Antone and turned him into like kind of a stud. I know he's a reliever, but they're talking about starting him. Um, I just like what they do with pitching over there. I like the direction they're heading and Molly's just had some great games um, to, you know, you just kind of hope sometimes with his stuff, it's like, like, why don't you have more K's or whatnot? And I know he has a tendency to get a little wild, um, but um, you know, he's your guy. So I'll kind of just let you kind of give your take on him. Yeah. Someone I definitely like for a dollar um, can be frustrating at times. It's, it's he grades out really well with his command or the, you know, some advanced metrics, you know, Saris and some other guys that are, Talk about like really elite command, but it's it's kind of invisible to the naked eye because sometimes, like when I was playing you the other week, he had an outing where he went 0-2 counts on the first two hitters of the game and then walked them both. And so you don't think of a guy who has elite command who can put the ball where he wants having those bouts of wildness, but that's exactly just what he endures is every once in a while he just loses it for a brief second and then starts losing the strike zone, starts walking guys. And I think uh, without a couple of those just little mini meltdowns, sometimes he doesn't even let anyone come across, but he just walks the bases loaded. So it hurts his whip, hurts his K to walk. I think he, he's a little bit, he might even be closer than, than he appears to, to taking the next step. Um, but, he, you know, he didn't make my top three, but definitely a pitcher I like. My number two was a $1 pitcher, Freddie Peralta for boots, about a 14K per nine. Huge strikeout numbers and a 3-3K to walk to go with it. Uh, a .95 whip, a 2-5-4 ERA. And of course, the common theme among these these guys on on my list is there's guys who are out, definitely they're all outperforming their peripherals because the, the field is large enough on the pitching side of the house to where you, you got, to be one of the top arms you got to be good and you got to be a little bit lucky because there's always going to be a batch of guys who are uh, getting a little bit lucky with that of all data. So Peralta's both of those. He's he's been lucky and good. Um, the K rate's so high it covers for a, a four walks per nine. And, and like Savali, very lucky BABIP of 209. Uh, but still a 337 XFIP because he strikes out 
uh, nearly 40% 40 of the hitters that he faces. Still very much a two-pitch guy. He is flirting with a third pitch, a changeup. He's throwing about 8% of the time. Still kind of a show-me pitch. I think uh, 10% is kind of the benchmark for a true third offering. Um, But 8% is up for him, and it, it shows that he's trying to lengthen or deepen his arsenal so he can be a guy who can go through the order multiple times as opposed to that kind of hybrid reliever that he's been in the past. Uh, yeah, he's my number one. Um, I uh, Freddy Peralta, it's just uh, he's one of those guys where it's like high floor, low ceiling. Um, right now, he's on that high floor. Um, you know, if he develops that third pitch, he can he can be a lead overnight. He could be like that Carlos Rodon. We were just our um, uh, sorry, we technical difficulties, so we went backwards. But you'll get to that, I guess. But um, you know, he just reminds me of just a guy that just you know he has two pitches right now. Like you mentioned, he's working on that third pitch. Guys with two pitches like Chris Paddock. Just scare me. Like, you know, once, you know, professional hitters know if you're going to throw two pitches, we can sit on one and we're going to drill the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, Peralta, like, he's just, it's, that slider is so nasty that he's, you know, people are just fooled on it. They can't hit it. Um, if he develops that third pitch, he's going to be elite. Um, but with all that said, to your point, you mentioned it, um, you know, with the Babbitt and stuff, it's just, there's still just a little part of me that's tentative because it's just like with two pitches, it can go, it can go haywire really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, it, it, he's outperforming um, his, his, his numbers a little bit right now. Um, but I think there's a lot there to, to justify where, he, you know, his performance, it's a strikeout. It's, it comes down to strikeouts. The guy strikes out so many players that, you know, you can withstand the walks, the wildness, but um, you know, you're going to run into games though, because of that, that is just, He's going to put guys on base, give up a hit at the wrong time, and just have those games where he probably gives up five or six runs, but we'll probably still have, you know, 10 strikeouts with three walks or four walks. Yeah, the, the, the free passes are always – you're always kind of drizzling gasoline <laughs> you know, on the field if you're, if you're handing out passes. So that K rate negates a lot of it, but, but it, does, uh, it does elevate the risk level uh, substantially. I think, it, I think pitcher's list has the term for it called cherry bomb. Uh, it's either a guy that's either going to go out there and just a cherry, something sweet that you love. That's just going to be, you know, no earned runs over seven innings, 12 strikeouts, one or two walks. You know, you're, you take that every day of the week and then you'll just have the games with the bombs yep. where it's like, you know, six earned runs, you know, and just blows up in your face. Bunch of walks. Just, <laughs> yeah. it's just, somebody like Peralta is going to give that to you. Thankfully this year, it seems like he's limited to be like, he could put four or five starts together between each one of those cherry bombs. Like, if he's only had one or two so far. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if you can only go through a season with, you know, five of those, I think Peralta's worth it. Yeah, a lot of a lot of veteran pitchers have said, you know, if you make 30 starts in a year, 10 of the starts, you're going to be feeling great and, and, like, you're on top of the world. Mm-hmm. 10 of them, you're going to be feeling like shit and just laboring and figuring out how to get out. And it's those 10 in the middle that determine do you have a good season or not. And so that's kind of where Peralta is. He's going to have those blow-up starts. He's going to have those dominant starts. Now he's starting to swing that middle third into good starts as opposed to some of those other those cherry bombs, as you put it, as Pitcher List puts it. And that's that's a difference maker for him. Uh, my number one best buy pitcher is $4 John Means for Keith. A buck seventy-nine ERA, set .75 whip, almost six Ks per walk. Uh, nearly threw a perfect game when he threw his no-hitter the other week and regression incoming certainly a a buck 86 babbitt uh, and he's going to spend the summer pitching in a the very hitter friendly confines of camden yards in a tough division at that but still really strong underlying skills his era estimators have him around three and a half an exceptional walk rate that's going to help keep the whip in check 
And, and there haven't been any significant changes to the arsenal and no significant upticks in the velocity, but the swinging strike rate's up, the called strike rate is up, just the case of a guy who, who's developing his skills and getting better with, with what he's got. And, he, and John Means should definitely figure into Keith's keeper plans for 2022 off to a, a really good start here this season. Yeah, it was just um, an omission on my list. Um, he's definitely somebody that should be on the list. Um, he's He's been a stud. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, you know, uh, just I'd like to see how, you know, at the end of the year in that division, like what his numbers are going to be. Um, you know, he's kind of been feasting off of like the Mariners and the likes, but um, his stuff's there. That changeup is elite. Um, and I'm a big believer that if you have an elite changeup, like it makes your fastball that much better. And if we talk about having more than two pitches, but if you can work a fastball changeup, like, Everything else works off of that. Yeah, well, the, the, and that's the kind of that's the kind of arsenal that when you just don't really have a feel for it, like in those those ten starts when you're struggling, um, if you can at least spot your fastball and your changeup, you can survive. So, uh, all right, now we're gonna move to the bust buys, the three worst pitcher buys of the auction, and I'm gonna let you lead off again for number three. Sorry, was this supplemental? Or uh, no, the number three worst uh, bust oh, worst. buys. Yeah, uh, pitchers, first pitchers. pitchers. Uh, number three was uh, Patrick Corbin. Um, it's only $7, so it's not the end of the world. But, um, you know, Corbin's kind of been like that. It's been a solid number two starting pitcher, I'd say, for the last four or five years um, since he came back from Tommy John um, with the Diamondbacks. Um, he's kind of been, I wouldn't call him an ace, but he's just right there. Front line. When he became a free agent, he demanded, you know, top dollar. Um, so he's obviously an arm that everybody loves. He's a lefty, so that probably plays a role into it. But just... Um, you know, he just hasn't been able to. He's put together a couple of um, good starts. Um, when I wrote this originally a couple weeks ago, um, I don't even know if he had a good start at that point. But, uh, you know, he's put together a couple of starts, like I said. But still, even then, he's still, after a good start, he follows it up with just a not-so-great start. It just He's walking guys. He's giving up runs. He's not striking guys out. It just seems like he just has no feel for that slider right now. And so uh, he's just been a disappointment. But I think he's somebody, by the end of this year, um, it might not even be an issue. Uh, they'll figure it out. But as of right now, he's just he's a uh, he's a bust. Yeah, I think it was Ron Chandler who said when you when you show a skill, when you once you've demonstrated the skill, you own it. Meaning that someone like Patrick Corbin, who's done what he's done over his career, there's always a chance he can get back to that. That he can kind of flip back to whatever that is. But with pitchers, it seems a little bit riskier because you don't know what the ailment is. Maybe he's pitching hurt or, or whatever. But yeah, when I was in recent trade negotiations with Keith. I was looking for some pitching and and I just kind of, I looked at Corbin briefly, but kind of blew right past him because for points you've already made, it just doesn't look good. I don't know what his deal is, but not someone I really want a part of at this time. And I'm going to stay in the nation's capital with my number three bust with his teammate, Steven Strasburg, 30 bucks, uh, who is on Keith's team also, but via Decker. Decker was the one who bought uh, $30 Strasburg at the auction. I, I ordinarily don't place guys on a bust list if they, uh, have been dealing with injury, uh, but with Strasburg, I just feel like that should have been baked into the price. He's he's always been injury prone. He only pitched five innings last year. He's made four starts this year. He's got about a strikeout per nine, but that's down from ten and a half on his career. He's walking five hitters per nine, uh, a four almost four and a half ERA, which is aided by a, a BABIP of two sixteen. So he's actually been a little lucky there. And on the bright side, he pitched five innings last uh, yesterday, last night, and had five strikeouts, one walk. That looks pretty good, but he did allow three earned runs. And, and the projections call for a pseudo rebound to around the 3.8 or 3.9 range uh, ERA with, with some pretty good um, K to walk and whip. 
But I think with, with Strasburg, it's going to come down to the velocity. He's been a guy who always sits 95 miles an hour. Uh, even yesterday, even though he looked better, was still only sitting 92. And, and 92 versus 95 is a huge difference. If that velocity comes back, I think Strasburg will be back. But if he's if this is who he is now and the injuries have just kind of gotten to him and, and the aging, he's well into his 30s, if he's a 92-mile-an-hour mile hour fastball now, then I think this is kind of who he is. Maybe not a five walk for nine, but uh, his days as a frontline starter would be over if he can't hit 95 anymore or sit 95, I should say. Uh, who's number two on your list? So number two on my list is uh, everybody's favorite weirdo, Zach Greinke. Uh, he's definitely – his numbers, his lines are rosterable. I'm not going to sit there and say, like, oh, my God, if I had him on my team, I'd kill myself. Like, he's he's – Got good, decent numbers. I think it's a you know just a hair under a four ERA right around. He's kind of gone back and forth above a three, above a four, into the threes. Um, it's not striking a ton of guys out. Uh, uh, you know, I think he has a game. He'll have games where he walks three or four guys, but then he'll have two games in a row where he walks none. But he's not striking guys out. He's given up you know three or four earned runs in five or six innings. Again, nobody. I'd be happy. I'd be fine having him on my team. Just kind of filling out um, some innings to just get me some stats. Um, but at $30, $31, um, that's not what you want. But um, is this was just a byproduct of no pitchers available at the draft, but um, $31 for what you're getting is just not good. Yeah, in, in recent trade negotiations with the man, he, he said, you know, what does Granky get me? And told him really not much uh, for reasons you've stated. He's, he's, just, he's definitely not an elite guy anymore, kind of getting by on, on the grit and the guile. But also, you got to look at the contract, right? If you're in a position where you might want to add some salary later, we've got the salary cap. If you want to make a run and trade for some stars down the stretch, carrying, getting what you're getting out of Granky for, and, and and dinging your budget by thirty bucks, thirty one dollars, whatever he is, um, you, you got to take that into consideration too. And and you know he's thirty seven, thirty eight years old, and he's he's finding a way to get it done. Um, but it, <laughs> he's kind of he's he's walking the tightrope as he's doing it, kind of like. Uh, my number two, another $30 guy, Kyle Hendricks, who he's got a 4.63 ERA, a 1.42 whip, not giving the production to Nick that he would have expected out of the auction. The Ks and the walks are right in line with his career norms, pretty much right in line with what Granky's doing this year, too. Uh, and he's made his living um, being a contact suppression guy year over year, someone who just breaks the projection models, always has a better ERA than what he's projected. And he has a, a career ERA more than a half run lower than his XFIP uh, because he suppresses home runs and, and, and balls in play so well. But this is what happens when you have a low strikeout guy, a contact suppression guy, if he falters, and that hard hit rate and that barrel rate goes up, as it has with Hendricks, the BABIP and the, H, the, the home run rate is going to go up too. And I do think the pendulum has swung too far for him. He's got a 23% home run to fly ball rate now, which is – that's not going to that's not gonna to carry on. But um, he's got to get this sorted out quickly because he just – he doesn't have the kind of stuff where he can survive throwing 86, 87 miles per hour unless he's just painting, which is what he usually does. But – he can't get away with those mistakes, and he's making way too many of them now. So he's kind of a cautionary tale of what Granky could be if he starts missing corners. Kyle Hendricks can't rule him out. He, he's a guy who, who if I was going to spend on pitching this year, I would have bought into Hendricks because I thought he was pretty bankable for safe ratios, a lot of bankable innings, more strikeouts than you would re realize because even though his K per nine isn't high, he throws so many innings that he's going to just rack them up. And, and so I thought he was a good arm coming into this. But, I mean, I knew that there was a risk 
since he doesn't have that just pure raw stuff. Um, but he's shown exactly what that downside is this year, and he's, he's got to pull it together. Or, or Nick's just got a kind of a dead spot on that roster. I mean, I guess serviceable uh, numbers to an extent, but again, for 30 bucks, you could just do a lot better. No, yeah, he's my number one. Um, you know, you've pretty much said everything. But, um, yeah, I, I think we mentioned this before we uh, ran into some issues. Uh, but I, I'd be curious to see if um, a lot of that home inflated uh, home run rate, at, like he said, it was like 23%, is impacted at all by his – when he started at Wrigley, the wind's been blowing out. Um, we were talking, you know, before the pod, we were watching the uh, Reds and the um, – the cuts play and there's a ball hit by Peterson that should have been, you know, 15, 10, 15 feet past the wall. And it landed 70 feet short of the wall. They had a stat cast data on it and it was just the wind blew it back. And so when the wind blows out, um, you know, the, I know the totals are just Mish mentioned, they were like at 12, they're usually like around 12 or something, which is an insane number. If the wind's blowing out. Yeah. So, and then when it's blowing in today, it was six. six yeah. And a half, so right? it just shows you like how much that wind, impacts them so but then on the other side like you know what if you pitch when the wind's blowing in and he's still giving them up so i don't know i'm just throwing that hypothetical out there but he's just been a disappointment it's it's, it's frustrating because he's just he's such a pitcher he knows how to pitch he knows how to keep guys off balance he knows how to use his repertoire he's a pitcher he's a greg maddox he's in that mold like you know i know how to throw two or three different fastballs i can throw a slider and a curve and a slurve type of thing like i mean do all these things with my pitches keep you guys off of balance but for whatever reason this year it's just he's not fooling anybody and they're taking him out of the yard mm -hmm. yeah he's the professor out there usually but there was that start in atlanta earlier in the year that i think they put up five or six in the first and three home runs they were just teeing off on him i think it was one that you know starts and that's why i was watching it but uh on sunday night baseball but yeah just um when you when you when you don't got the stuff you've got to be perfect and he's been for a long time this year they ain't there and so leading into my biggest bust on the pitching side is Eels' $14 Dylan Bundy, 6.5 ERA, a 1-3-4 whip, um, a, over a strikeout per nine and a 3.7K to walk. So, you know, one of those things kind of stands out unlike the others, and that being the ERA. It, he seems like he deserves better. seems like he's been running into some bad luck. He has a 3-9 XFIP that would support that statement. But also just the left on base rate or AKA the strand rate is a league worst 58%. So anyone that gets on base is coming around the score. Angels bullpen doing him no favors, stranding those runners. If he leaves anyone on base, you know that uh, C-Sheck or Alex Claudio or Aaron Sleggers is going to come in and, and pay for their Uber to come around third and score. Those guys just can't stop a nosebleed. And, uh, you know, so that that's problematic for Bundy, but you can't totally let him off the hook because the knock on Bundy coming into uh, you know, into last year was the home runs. He had, a, you know, he has a career 1.6 home run per nine. And the thought process was, all right, get him out of Baltimore, which is a high school park. It's a home run hitters heaven and get him into Anaheim where he can get away with a little bit more on, uh, on the batted balls. And last year he posted a 0.7 home run per nine, had this breakout year thinking, okay, that was the bugaboo was the home park. Now he's all, he's back up to nearly 1.8 this year. And so, you know, while he he has looks like he has some bad luck, a guy who he, he might just have home run issues, right? And and make too many mistakes and, and give up too many bombs, and that's going to impact the strand rate. That's going to lead him to to not pitch as well as his xFIP suggests. And and he's definitely not a true talent, six and a half ERA guy. Um, 
it, but he's someone who who maybe deserves some of this misfortune because he's just giving up way too many homers. I can't knock Eli for for buying Bundy because uh, I would have again if I had if I had planned on spending at pitching this year, which I should have because my staff is terrible. But if I did, I would have I've been in on Dylan Bundy. So I don't think it was I don't think the process was flawed in purchasing Dylan Bundy. But I it's just not working out, and it's a bummer for the Angels too because he is a free agent after this year and. If they're not going to contend, and it looks like they may not, um, it would have been nice to see what they could pick up at the deadline for him, but definitely has seen his stock take a hit versus what he was uh, last year where he was he would have been going to market as kind of a frontline starter. So uh, a big loss for the Angels and for Eels, the way Dylan Mundy's pitching this year. Yeah, I I, just, I don't blame Eli at all. He's definitely, like, I wasn't looking at pitching and going into the draft. I just was fine there, but just he's somebody that I look at, like I can pay – between ten and twenty dollars for, and at the end of the year he can be an ace. Yep. So it's like those are guys I like to target. Like, but there's risk there, and unfortunately we're seeing the risk. Yeah. Um, but again, it's only a month. Like he could turn it around, and it could be worth it. But um, I don't, I don't see the fault in his in his contract. It's just, like you said, it's just, it's just unfortunate. It's just not going. It's, it's just not going well. <laughs> Yeah, we talk about those guys like the aforementioned Musgrove, where yeah. it's like, hey, you're not in a, a proven ace. But you're showing me enough under the hood that suggests, uh, you know, you could be really good and take a step forward. Um, I think Musgrove's peripherals, even last year, were, were, were better than than Bundy's, but probably not by a lot. So kind of cut from that same mold of this could be a guy who takes a big step forward and $14 isn't a lot to pay for him. Just not working out. And like I said, it, it, it's, it's definitely it's the homers that are getting them. And I, now it's just how much of that is is the ball, you know, some bad luck versus just being you know, just homeritis, right? I, so I wonder if I wonder how much of an impact like Mickey Callaway had on guys because it's just like you know he came over and you know shit on Mickey Callaway for being a shit person that he is, but it's just like he's a great pitching coach, and you know it just seems like anywhere he goes, pitchers do well. And I know he went to the Mets, but he was not necessarily in that role. But it's just like Buddy came over here and just kind of pitched above his talent level. Mm-hmm. And I think Haney pitched a lot better last year than he is this year. And it's just, you know, Kenny even I think pitched a little bit better at times. Like it's just it makes me wonder like how much of a role Callaway not being here has impacted these pitchers on that team. Yeah. Well that that's definitely I think something I know a lot of us agree, some may disagree, but a lot of us agree that managers are overrated and I tend to think that too. Um, but you can't really overrate small adjustments in baseball, pitching or or otherwise, little tiny adjustments that someone notices and say, hey, try this. You know, and it could be for a pitcher, it could be like moving a finger over an eighth of an inch on a cutter or something. It just changes everything. And so and you look at I've, I'm blanking the guy's name, but the White Sox pitching coach and what he's accomplished They're with Kratz. No, uh, that's the, I think not Kratz, the, but that's it's something place. like that. But what he's doing with with uh, with obviously Radon, you know, how much is he to, is responsible for that? Um, how is kind of responsible for Dylan Cease? Um, the, there's something to that, right? So I, I don't know if it was Callaway or not. I mean, obviously he had to go for for all the off the field stuff, but it could very well be that they're missing. Um, you know, they went from one of the better track record pitching coaches in the game to a guy who is in an interim role like that. That was not optimal for that staff, that's for sure. All right, we are going to take a break, and then we will be back to wrap this thing up. Um, all right, catch you in a minute. Close that out. Uh-
All right, we are back. Um, have a little potty break. Go play with uh, Charlie and Ben. And here we are to uh, kind of on the home stretch here, in scoring position at least. We've got the top supplemental picks and then the top waiver wire picks. We're not going to break it down by position here, just the top three regardless of position. Let's begin with the supplemental, the third best pick of the supplemental in your opinion, Bird. So um, third in the supplemental, it's kind of an interesting pick, but um... – you know, to be honest, like I went through the supplemental and it just, um, you know, it was just, it was hard. I think a lot of those guys have been dropped. I think in supplemental, you're just kind of taking a lot of lottery tickets on guys winning jobs and they end up not. So you just end up dropping them. But um, number three, it's kind of a surprise. He's not a closer. He's not a starter, but uh, it's just uh, Michael Kopik. I think it was a buck, buck or two, but uh, I know Ken has had it before and Ken's smart. He knows what he's doing. He gets, even though he's not a, he's kind of technically a middle reliever, he's just getting uh you know, he goes two or three innings at a time, racks up the Ks, he goes a couple times a week. And I think I think the year two, he's, if somebody gets hurt, he's going to find his way into that rotation. Yeah, I think he already has made a spot starter too, and, and he has, yeah, I think, gone a, a couple, a few outings at least with a little bit of length out of the bullpen to where it's, it's not quite a start, but really good numbers for, you know, three innings or so. I forget which round he was drafted in, so, you know, he may be a 5 or $7 guy, but definitely uh, he, he, he did some damage against me when, when Ken and I played each other. I remember that. Um, I am going to give some love to, to Ken too here with his pick of Trevor Rogers. Um, he is the, the big lefty throws 95 out, uh, in the Marlins rotation. So just a, a big, a, a flamethrowing lefty is already a man after my own heart, a one seven five ERA, a one Oh six whip 11 K per nine, uh, three, about three, two K to walk. And so Rogers was, was written in ink on my roster sheet as my last $1 pitcher probably two weeks in advance of the auction. I was just so certain that that was going to be one of my end gamers. And then for no good reason, at the end of the auction, I decided, that, like, ah, I'll push him to the supplemental. No one's going to go after him. And um, so, first of all, I deserve to be snubbed for, for disrespecting the room <laughs> that way and, and being so arrogant to think that MK wouldn't be all over a sleeper like Rogers uh, who went in the first round of the supplemental. Didn't even, I didn't even have a chance to pick him. Um, and, and, uh, and in that last $1 spot that could have been this breakout Trevor Rogers, I took uh, $1 Griffin Canning, <laughs> <laughs> um, who I guess I was just thinking he was kind of more secure in his role and, and, and maybe there's some homerism going on. He's had some decent starts and some, some disastrous ones, but would rather have Trevor Rogers 10 times over. Uh, not going to really, I don't think, factor into the keeper mix as a, a first round in the sub makes him a $20 player. So I, I don't think he's he's quite on that level yet. Um, but but Ken definitely with, with a great pick there. Uh, again, a gross misjudgment on my behalf to even let it get there. Um, but a, a lesson learned that you got to go out and get your guys and not necessarily play too much of a game of chicken in, in the MK draft room because you guys are, are too smart. That's That's been proven to me. Uh, who's the, the runner-up for you on the top supplemental picks? Um, you nailed it with Rogers again, but um, just to mix it up a little bit, I wrote some honorable mentions, so I'll move this person into here just to just provide some uh, some discussion in this pod. Um, but um, but no, I love Rogers. Uh, he was my number two. Uh, he's, I think, going to be one of the best lefties. Uh, pretty much there was, and I talked to Ken about this a little bit, and like in my research leading up to the uh, draft, it's just like I realized, like, man, I pretty much have the entire Marlins rotation pretty highly up here. Like, this is yeah. Weird. It just felt weird. Like Marlins aren't good. Yeah. Why am I want all these pitchers? And it's like, 
they're all good. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Pablo Lopez, Sandy. Sixto, um, Sandy Alcantara. Pablo like, is even like Lopez. Um, yeah, really good year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is it Pablo or is that the – I get mixed up between the Orioles, Lopez. And no, yeah. He's Pablo Lopez is the Miami. Um, but, yeah. So, um, but no, uh, the Marlins, are, they're kind of like becoming the the, uh, the, Indians. the Indians 2.0. But um, so just to mix it up, I'm going to throw in Michael Pineda, uh, supplemental. He's – He's pretty much had a pretty steady year so far. He's pitched well. Uh, you know, I don't think he's getting the double-digit Ks, but I think he's getting seven or eight and low walks and minimizing the earned runs. And uh, I'm going to put him on this list in his place. Ken just all over this. Uh, <laughs> so he's dominating the supplemental draft. Um, I'm going to give number two spot to Cup Checks, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, um, hitting 286. Only a 746 ops, but... Coming into the year, kind of Falefa, knowing that his game was really speed-driven, um, I would have probably projected him for 100 points south of that. And so you told me he was going to have a 746 OPS. I, he would have been on my radar for sure. Um, hitting the top of the order, pacing about 90 runs, pacing 30 steals. He's got 10 stolen bases, which is tied for second in the majors. And, of course, he's an everyday shortstop with catcher eligibility and great speed. So the BABIP and the ISO are all within – reasonable ranges to carry forward maybe a maybe a slight regression do his way but really just looks like a, a skills driven breakout mini breakout and um i will say i do think that cup should shop him once jt real muto comes back from the il because i think he could get a handsome return for someone who needs both speed and a catcher you can't check both of those boxes with anybody else um and you haven't been able to in, in years since like the maybe the jason kendall days or the uh Maybe Russell Martin, I don't know. Um, but I, as good as his numbers are, I think that they're just they're more valuable coming out of the catcher slot. And when he has Real Muto there, when he comes back from the IL, I think that it would make sense for Cup to put him on the market. I made a run at him a few weeks ago when I was catcherless. I forget what I offered. I'm not saying that Cup should have taken that deal. I'm not trade-shaming him. But I do think that he's a good piece to help Cup check plug some other gaps elsewhere down the stretch if he can find the right buyer because uh, – that he's just he's he's overly deep at, at the catcher position and and has a, a great supplemental pick there in Kiner Falefa. Uh, who is the top supplemental buy for you? Say his name. Elite. Jared. Walsh. <laughs> I knew you'd love that. Mission I have to say, like I've been on Walsh since the since the draft. I've been talking to Mitch, so Mitch will send me a text anytime he's the bottom elite. Yeah, anytime Walsh Homer's forgets a Walsh elite text. <laughs> but yeah, Jared Walsh, man, the guy's what, hitting 330, he's got pop, hitting, you know, hitting the middle of that lineup. Obviously, Trout being out doesn't help, but, uh, you know, hitting behind Trout and Otani and Fletcher is just, guys just driving in runs and just in a great lineup, and he drove pools out of town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, the guy is, uh, the guy's stud, and, um, I, I think he's a more of an average guy than, than power, but I think it's developing. So, you, you know, I think he was probably more of like a 310, 315, like 20 home run guy, but I think he might sacrifice a little bit of that average power because it seems like, you know, I think he might, when it's all said and done, I think he'll probably be like a 280, 30 guy. Right, yeah. I mean, since you wrote that a few weeks ago, he's plummeted all the way from 330 to, uh, to 316, right? So, <laughs> yeah, great batting average, 952 OPS, pacing uh, 33, 35 homers, um, and – 110 120 rbis he got 37 rbis in fact the, the he has the third most rbis in major league baseball 
since September 1st of last year, which is when he started getting full-time playing time, really broke out last, last September with, with big-time power and an elite strikeout rate of sub-15%. He's showing that power is real, um, but his strikeout rate has regressed back upward towards uh, the 24% mark, which you'll take in today's game. Uh, the, the th he has a 374 Babbitt that's definitely carrying the batting average. There's no doubt about that. He's not a true 316 hitter. You've already pointed that out. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, but he's going to hit the middle of the order. I think he's a true 30 home run bat, 90, 100 RBIs. And since he was in the second to last round of the supplemental, only $7 and could factor in as a keeper um, for me down the stretch. So I do agree. I, I also have Jared Walsh as the, the best supplemental pick. So I, was just, I was worried about him. I, as I mentioned with you, it's just in our private conversations, just, you know, just the angels are just stupid shit with pools and, you know, pools is going to take his playing time. And you were yeah. adamant, like, you know, he's going to find a spot in that lineup, like whether it's right field, which he did for a while. And then they realized we don't want to do this. And they finally just said, cool, you got to go. So you took that gamble and it paid off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely working out so far. All right. Moving on to the last session, the waiver wire wonders. Top three waiver wire pickups of the year so far for number three. Number three, I originally had my guy, Foscar, uh, you know, uh, Mish actually picked him up off of the waiver wire. We made a, a small trade and he was a stud, but um, I've removed him since. He's broken his hand. He's going to be out for six weeks. But uh, so in his place is Buster Posey. Um, just been kind of a resurgence, man. He missed last year. Um, he was on the decline for multiple years leading up to that. I just, wasn't even on my radar to be completely honest. Um, and he's just been raking his, his power has shown up his, his average batting average is there. He's just been a pleasant surprise at catcher. Yeah. That, that, he didn't make my, my cut, but he, he definitely could have. Um, yeah, after not even playing last year, like you said, and being on the downswing the year before kind of off everyone's radar, I think just and, a couple years ago, power just went away. But yeah. Like, I think he's already out Homer his previous numbers. I think you're right. Yeah, great, great ad there. I think that was the man. Um, I'm going with Nick's Joey Wen uh, Wendell. He was hitting 303, about a 900 OPS, uh, 33 runs, six homers, 25 RBIs, and, and three steals. And I took a look at him about a month ago, and I just like, yeah, it's the Rays. They won't, even if he's playing well, and they don't play everyone every day. But he's played 48 games. He's been a full-time guy. Great numbers so far. I don't think he will be on this list next go-around. 350 BABIP, I don't think that's going to sustain uh, a 232 ISO is, is well above his career norms, and it's, it's not justified by his batted ball data. He's got three steals, but he's also been caught three times, so not a very efficient base stealer. You figure the Rays are probably going to put the red light out there for him. So ride the hot hand while you can, Nick. Uh, you're getting some really good production out of him and, and can't knock it. Like As long as the guy's out there contributing, keep him in the lineup. But I think that, that the Wendell uh, flame will, will be exhausted. Uh, it's in the relatively near future here. I just don't think he's he's as talented as he's shown here. Uh, who is the second best waiver wire pickup for you? It is Yerwin Mercedes. Um, or is it Yerwin or Yerwin? Yeah, Yerwin, I think. Um, it's Yerwin Mercedes. Um, just the guys, I think, still rocking a 360 batting average. Um, just, you know, I was actually kind of surprised his power is not as, as high as I thought it would be. I think he's only got like six or seven home runs. Um, but, um, you know, when he connects with one, he can hit him as far as anybody. He's just so far, you know, you, it's been over a month and a half and, uh, he's still hitting over 350. He's still mashing. He's in the middle of a freaking loaded lineup. Like it's just, you know, it's, there's only one more other person that's better than him. We'll get to him, but just Herman's been a stud. 
Yeah, good ad. I remember it was like I think the first or second series of the year where he was eight for eight. For eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was they, the Angels, right? Angels yeah. couldn't get him out. Yeah, um, and he he's kept hitting since then. Kind of a, a fun story to watch. I, I'm I'm going with one of his teammates actually on the other side of the ball, Carlos Rodon, uh, one of Sean's guys. Um, over a, a K per nine, thirteen point three. A 6K to walk, that's driving a 1.29 ERA and a .72 whip. And Rodon was a $1 guy, $1 flyer for many years on various rosters for Nucks that were, were speculating uh, and dreaming on the the, the talent, the, the former third overall pick in, at NC State and what he could be. And he flashed that upside briefly at a pretty strong 2016 campaign. And then injuries derailed him only through 42 innings between 2019 and 2020. And then he had this kind of spring training breakout. He's thrown 95, 96, and it's just been absolute domination. Uh, of course, he won't finish with a 1-2-9 ERA, but all of the peripherals scream that this is a legitimate breakout and a frontline starter. Uh, it's just been an A-plus pickup by Sean to jump on that train as early as he did. Uh, a really good ad. Yeah, yeah I want to say just another oversight on my part. I just, uh, yeah, I don't know why I skipped over him because I've been texting with Sean too. Like, just he's a stud. Like, he's a top five pitcher right now, clearly. Um, and it's just like you know, you guys like that. You know, you used to just be worried. Like, you know, I think pitcher list calls them cherry bombs. Like, where it's either he's just gonna like go out there and just he yeah. lights out, or he's gonna go out there and just get his shit hammered. Yeah, and like that's kind of the guy I always thought Rodon. Right his shit gonna, hammered. Yeah, it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just always thought Rodon was one of those guys where he's just gonna like just walk a shit ton of guys, get, give up a ton of runs. Like uh, if he just doesn't have it, but yep. he's figured that shit out, and um, they can't hit him. Like I was, I've been following him too, and like he's been going like 11, 12 Ks to no walks. Like, oh yeah, just, like, like <laughs> sheer dominance. Like yeah, this isn't like a he's not just compiling a, a strong line by putting up pretty good starts. Like truly dominant starts and like even the day like even like he, he obviously threw the no hitter but like i think a couple other turns he's only got like two hits or less too it's mm -hmm. just like he's unhittable when he's on and it's just like he's been on yeah so yeah that's, he's definitely i think to be honest with you leading he can i think number one could be one a and one b <laughs> yeah i i will say that i think we're probably going to agree on number one so far but if if uh, if we were to make a wager on who on this list is going to be number one uh, next go around, uh, should we do this, you know, in, in a few months, I think that Rodon will be on the top of this list. This next guy deserves the number one spot to me, but uh, has a little bit of a floor that maybe people aren't talking about quite yet. We'll see if it's the same guy. Who do you have as the top waiver wire pickup? I think it's the same guy. Um, it's Adolis. Yep. Uh, just, I, again, like, I went to look at his stats the other day and I was just blown away. Like, what he's actually done like i knew he's been having a solid year but i didn't realize he's like you know what is he like 12 13 14 15 home runs he's like right around there he's like he's not pushing 40 rbis like it's just it's like wow like it just the numbers jump off the, jump out of the yeah. at you it's like this guy like there's nobody better than him right now yeah yeah 282 929 got 16 home runs tied with vlad for the major league lead 41 rbis Chipping in five steals too. He's he's basically <laughs> he he's what anyone would want Randy Orozarena yeah. to be, right? That's what everybody thought. Uh, including including some of the the downside too. I'll get to that in a second. But first, a, a funny story. So this off season, uh, Sean and I made a, a flip. I, I sent you Darvish to him for Rafael Devers. That has been a I think a fair trade on both ends. Both pretty happy with what we got from that. Um, but then. There was, uh, I sent Sean a screenshot during spring training 
of one of the Yahoo player blurbs, with blurbs when uh, you Darvish didn't have a good outing versus Texas. And I was just kind of razzing him. I'm like, ah, you Darvish sucks. And uh, he said something along the lines of like, I, I know that's not from you Darvish's player profile. Like you don't want to tip your hand, do you? And I said, I dare you to pick up Adelise Garcia, right? Like, <laughs> in other words, go ahead and pick up this no name who, yeah, I clicked on the little news blur because he's on like the top pickups. But I'm like, this guy's a no name. He's crushing minor leaguers in the Cactus League who, who haven't pitched in a game since 2019, by the way, right? Who gives a shit about this guy? I dare you to pick him up. Uh, he did. And <laughs> the rest is history. He's a top 10 player right now. Um, does immense damage when he hits the ball. Uh, I was at the game on Tuesday when they're in Anaheim and he hit one uh, deep into like past the bullpens that just sounded like a, a cannon went off in the stadium when he hit it. Um, just a, a blood red stat cast profile that's backing up all of that hard hit data. And, and I would love to have out Elise on my team. Uh, I, but I do think, you know, the comp to a Rosarena is fair in that there's also some floor there that there is with a Rosarena around his, uh, he doesn't have a very good approach. You know, he's, he's a hacker. He's got he's got a, a fourth percentile chase rate. He swings at everything. 15th percentile whiff rate. He swings and misses a lot. 11th percentile walk rate. So the, the thunder and the bat is real, but the approach is very bad. The projections hate him moving forward. They're projecting around 230 with a 720 OPS. I think that's just completely bananas. I think they're way too slow to react to what they're seeing this year. I'll take the over on those numbers by, by a mile but I think we're definitely witnessing the ceiling, right? I think that he could come down and, and even if he settles into what a Rosarina is doing now, it's still like a top 50 player. It's not a top 10 guy. Um, and that's why I think where Rodon, like there's nothing to really indicate he's going to, like him, Rodon crashing back to earth is still like ace level peripherals. Whereas Adelise, you know, there's, is, he's not as well-rounded in some aspects of his game, as good as some of the aspects of his game are. I agree with that. Um, uh... No, yeah, for sure. And just, I don't know about, um, at least I haven't looked at his, his data, but, um, you know, with a Rosarena, I know like one of his other issues is he hits the ball into the ground more than he puts it in the air. So um, I would be surprised if at least is, uh, is more of a ground ball hitter. But yeah, he's just the swing and miss guys. Like it's just, and like you said, like it's just, there's holes in that swing. And it's just, it's just a matter of time before the, the scouting reports out on him of like where to attack him. Right, I'm sure it's coming, but you know, players also can make adjustments. Yeah, so, you know, in the we'll, meantime, we'll see what, he's, like, what he's made out of. In the meantime, just yeah, punish everything. Like, you're in. Like these are two guys that are like taking the lead by storm, and like I don't think they've ever been on any prospect list ever. <laughs> like, I, right. Well, that's the thing with Garcia. That's part of the reason I was like, go ahead, I dare you to do it. He's like 28, 29. It's like if you would think if this guy was any good, yeah, uh, there, you know, we know who he was in some regard by now. Um, but some guys just figure it out and a little bit later in, in their careers. And, and Adelise is definitely someone who's, who's on the radar now. All right. Uh, so that is going to do it. I hope you guys enjoy the app. Have a nice long holiday weekend and drink some beers and talk some shit and watch some baseball. And I hope to catch you guys all soon. Thanks for listening. Take care.